Good day to all the listeners. Welcome to the New Life Behavior podcast series. My name is Oscar and I'm a volunteer instructor for New Life Behavior. Now, New Life Behavior is presented worldwide, many countries and several on the African continent. Now, the New Life Behavior ministry or series is completely free of charge to all who will benefit from the studying thereof. No request for money will be made and any donations are completely voluntary. The New Life Behavior Ministry courses, the core curriculum, is a comprehensive study to discover a meaningful and personal relationship with God. The curriculum contains 174 lessons divided into 14 courses. The New Life Behavior curriculum is designed to help individuals to be reconciled to God reconciliation of families and society. It is designed for people in all walks of life. It has been well received by Christians and non-Christians alike. These lessons will cover the following. A sense of self. A sense of family. Parenting matters. True freedom. Christian marriage skills. Christian women attitudes and behaviors, Christians against substance abuse, there's a family net series, the seeker bible study series, prisoners of Christ, managing my anger, Christians against sex addiction, managing my finance. Now all the lessons that will be presented are also available on the New Life Behavior International website and their address would be nlbi.net. We can give you at this stage two email addresses. The one email address is 10, the number 10, Winterhook with a capital W, winterhook at gmail.com. So that is 10, capital W, I-N-T-E-R-H-O-E-K at gmail.com and or Chris Burke, C-H-R-I-S-B-U-R-K-E at mweb.co.za. In this way, we say welcome to New Life Behavior Ministries. Good day listeners, this is Oscar from New Life Behavior. Good to be back with you again. Dag luisteraars, Oscar de Vries. Oog, dis nou weer lekker dat ons weer vir oogend een bykie oor Godse woord kan praat. I just want to cover one or two things that I've perhaps said that haven't made a lot of sense to you. The one is that when I talk about the lessons and the studying of the lessons, what I've intended is that you can go to the website of New Life Behavior, which is in small letters NLBM, New Life Behavior Ministries, NLBM.org. You can download the lessons and you can then print the lessons if you wish. You can complete the study sections and then you're also willing, uh, you're able to send any questions or anything you'd like to send to the email addresses that are quoted in 
the introduction. Today, I would like us to have a look at Course 10, Course X, the Seeker Bible Series, Lesson 4, which is entitled, This Man Jesus, Is He Really Who He Claimed to Be? Whether or not Jesus is who he claimed to be is the question. Now again at the end of this lesson, when I've talked about the study questions, you can look at the study questions, you can um, read the lesson, and then you can go back and complete those study questions. Now just as we approach this lesson, let's just have a look at what we've talked about previously. Our lesson, besides the introduction, was the question of who am I that God is concerned about me? Then we talked about who am I? I am a person of great value. And then in the Seeker series, we've talked about the God of the Bible. What is he really like? We talked about the culture we live in. Why has it changed so much? And then we've asked ourselves, is there a voice of authority to which we must submit. And that brings us today to the question of Jesus. The man who left his mark on human history. How do you, how do we view him? He claimed to be the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah. What a claim! We can almost see that emoji with the one eye cocked up and the thumb and the forefinger on the chin to say to us, what a claim. Who is this man, Jesus? He's either Lord or he is a liar. On one occasion, as he spoke with a woman from Samaria, he openly claimed to be the promised Messiah. And this conversation we find in the book of John and chapter 4. And here we find that Jesus was tired. And then he came and he sat down at the well where the Samaritan woman came to fetch water. And the Samaritan woman said, well Jesus said to her, he said, would you give me a drink of water? And she was shocked because she said, how can you ask me for a drink of water? Because the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. They hated each other. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it, from it himself? And then Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Sir, she said, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And then with a smile, I think Jesus says, go and call your husband. And then she says, 
I have no husband. And Jesus says, yes, I know. You've had five husbands and the current man you, you now have is not your husband. And then she said, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. You see, Jesus declared here, he said, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You see, Jesus, she said to him, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus answered and said, I who speak to you am he. There's the claim. I am he. If he lied, then reject him. Renounce him as a fraud. But what if he told the truth? What if? So we need, and you need, we all need to decide what we will do with Jesus. So let us examine the biblical record in an effort to understand some of the unique claims that are made for him. Now let's have a look at Jesus and the Old Testament prophecies. See, God found ways to tell the human race that help was on its way. A Savior is coming. And note a couple of the prophecies in the Old Testament that point to the coming of Christ. Now right at the beginning in the book of Genesis, we find the statement that Satan's head was to be crushed. See, after the fall in the Garden of Eden, God said to Satan, He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, the woman's offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now what is this saying? It's saying that God spoke to the devil and he talked about Christ. And he said, you will strike his heel, that being the cross of Calvary. But he, Christ, will crush your head with his resurrection and his victory over sin. And what is the devil's real pursuit? Well, it is sin. That's the bottom line. And then God gave a promise to Abraham, called Abram and later Abraham. And he said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and all people on earth will be blessed through you. And in fulfillment of this prophecy, if you go and have a look at the book of Matthew and you, you look at the lineage, you can look at the boomstam. Jesus Christ was born in the lineage and the seed of Abraham. And that's why when Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said to them, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So that's who we are. And only as a follower of Christ, we can become the spiritual heir of Abraham and receive the promised blessing. Then we come to another person we know, Moses. And centuries before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Moses prophesied regarding the authority that he was to have on earth. He said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet. Like me from among your own brothers, you must listen to him. 
And if we move into the New Testament and we have a look at the Apostle Peter when he wrote in the book of Acts, he said it was told by the prophets that Christ would suffer. And it says sins would be wiped out and times of refreshing would come. And then in Acts, he repeats Deuteronomy's verse and he says, Listen to everything. You must listen to everything that he, referring to Jesus, tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. What strong language this is. And then we have the man Isaiah, also another prophet. Now, I'm not going to mention all the scriptures. Some people give me some tips and advice and they said, Now, don't mention all the scriptures because people might feel they've got to write them down and it confuses the situation. So I rely on you downloading the lessons and then having a look at the scriptural references because new life behavior is guided by the word of God. That is the guide. So anything that I might say is not of my own words or inspiration. But Isaiah predicted that the Savior would be born that he would be a sacrificial lamb, that he would lay down his life as a substitute sin offering for transgressors. Now just to take two verses from the book of Isaiah, this is chapter 53, it says, But the fact is, it was pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins, yours and mine, that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've gone, wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all of our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. And so we can go, uh, in the book of Romans again just speaks to us about Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us, that Christ died for us as sinners. And so we can move through the prophets of Jeremiah, we can move from all the prophets after Samuel, All of the Old Testament prophecies, almost 300 of them, talked about one who would come and bring hope and salvation. Now that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament speaks about his miraculous birth. And I think it's acclaimed unanimously somehow by all faiths and persuasions that the Virgin Mary The Virgin Mary is in certain cases recognized as almost a saint-like figure. And I don't think there's dispute about that. And then we go to the statements that Jesus himself made. He said, I am. The same as when Moses and other people had to go and see the pharaohs and that. He said, but what do we tell them? He says, just tell them that I am. You see, was he a lunatic? Or was he a Lord? And we must make this decision. You know, the woman at the well, that with the Samaritan woman that we spoke about earlier, she was the one to whom uh, he said, I am the Messiah. 
I who speak to you am that person. And then he continues throughout this beautiful book of John and he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I almost and I feel excited about these words. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. Not one of the three, but all of them. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And he says, a brave statement, isn't it? No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Just look at the imagery. If a man remains in me and I in him, it's a relationship between the vine and its branches. He said he will bear much fruit. So we cannot likely just go and dismiss such claims. If they are true, we must submit to him. If they are false, he must be a identified as an imposter and a fake. And then the resurrection of Jesus. The bodily, the bodily resurrection of Jesus is the pivotal issue in which the Christian faith stands or falls. In Corinthians he said, if a man has not been raised, your, if Christ sorry, has not been raised, your faith is futile. If Christ was not raised, our faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then the, the, the whole fundamental base of new life behavior is also based in Corinthians, which says in Christ we become new creations. When um, the writer of Acts, Luke, records Peter's words, in chapter 2, he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you, speaking to Jewish people, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. Now perhaps the claim of all claims. You see, Jesus was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the difference. God with us. On this earth, Jesus was God with us. See, Christianity is unique and unequaled. And Jesus is also able to understand the human struggle because the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer, we're not sure it, what, who it was, he said, we have one who has been seen, who has been tempted in every, every way, yet was without sin. The Hebrew writer also says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in the humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. Now we're right back where we started almost in Genesis. You see also another statement that was made in the book of John was talking about Jesus' eternal nature. When John says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. 
And Jesus has claimed eternity. You see, the Jews were speaking to him at this occasion in John chapter 8 when he said, You aren't even 50 years old and you say you've seen Abraham. That's what he was talking about. And then just before Jesus was taken captive in John 17, the the account there, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Now the question is, how should we view this unique person. Well, the book of Philippians tells us about this unique person. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, he says the following. He was a man. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what, not at all. The time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, become, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. He, Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything, anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. So he was a man. And was he God? Yes. It says God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And then the question was, was he a God-man? If you have a look at the book of Romans, just chapter 1, and you just look at verses 3 and 4 here, and don't have to write it down, but it says, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God. So what he's saying is that Jesus was the Son of God, but also the Son of Man. Now what's the conclusion of all of this? You see, we cannot remain neutral. We must honor Jesus as Lord, or we must reject him as a liar. We cannot ignore ignore these claims that the Bible makes for him. But we also must be certain of our choice. So what we do with him will determine in the end what he does with us. In John 6 he says there's one of two choices really. From this time, talking about his disciples, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
Then he says to them, You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This Jesus, the Holy One of God, came to this earth to rescue sinners. Are you aware that this name means Saviour? And so in the next lesson we're going to have, we're going to speak about and be guided by Scripture into a better understanding of the dangerous and deadly problems that affect every responsible human being. It is a problem that can only be solved by Jesus. Let's close with a word of prayer. Great Lord, thank you for speaking to us through your word today about Jesus. And help us, Father, as we ponder this, as we think about who Jesus is and how, Father, we can use and shape our lives around Jesus. Bless us, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Now just a few little easy tips. First of all, each lesson is going to ask you to note a few personal thoughts about the question that is asked. And then read the questions at the end of the lesson, but do not attempt to answer them. Then study or read the lesson. Then answer the questions and then give yourself the opportunity to write some personal reflections. And you are more than welcome to send your answers and questions to 10, the number 10, winterook at gmail.com or chrisburke at mweb.co.za.